really, really glad that you're here. I hope this is going to be a valuable hour for you next. Uh, this is a space that I think is really on God's heart. Um, one of the things that we recognize is that God gives gifts to his church and gifts of leadership. And often we can celebrate the leadership that's visible in the church space, but there's a lot of leadership that happens in other spaces. And uh, God gives gifts to people to start businesses and start enterprises. And uh, that's Mark's story. He's done that over many years. And he's also got the privilege now of leading the St. Albans Vineyard Church. So he's uniquely placed to speak into the subject, having kind of led extensively in entrepreneurial environments, but also leading in the church world. He knows both spaces. So will you please join me in welcoming Mark Awadjian. Thank you, Andrew. Wow, what a lovely uh, warm welcome. It's good to see you all here. Um, you would have all seen on your program that uh, Oliver was going to be with me as well. Unfortunately, Oliver cannot make it. So you've just got me. Apologies up front. And so I've got an extra 15 minutes. So I'm like, Holy Spirit, you can, you've got a lot more space than I had planned, which is really good. Uh, you know what I'd love to do before we start is uh, I would like to pray if that works for you guys. And then uh, we'll kick off. We've got some people still coming in. Welcome. Come on in. Uh, so why don't we just pray and then we'll, uh, we'll start. Lord, come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Lord, I just want to thank you that none of us are here by accident this afternoon. That you've got an assignment for each one of us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you just uh, prepare our hearts to hear from you. Lord, whatever stuff we bring, whatever questions we have, whatever burdens we might be carrying, I pray, Lord, that nothing will be, dis that nothing will be a distraction to us. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, and I just get a sense in my spirit that there's going to be new businesses birthed this afternoon. That for some of you, your eyes have been closed for so long, and God's going to open your eyes to new ideas and new opportunities. So Lord, would you just come now and just bless us with your presence in your precious name. Amen. First of all, I'd like just to say uh, my team are on the front row. So if they're noisy, um, apologies. I clearly have no control over them. Um, but if you see these, I have absolutely nothing to do with these badges. Unlocking entrepreneurship in the kingdom with my face on it. I want you to know I'm not into self-promotion. Um, I do want to affirm and encourage them. But you missed an opportunity. You should have sold them, used the money, reinvest, extend the product line, and then take the profits and put them into socially responsible enterprises. <laughs> missed opportunity, but well done anyway. I love the, uh, love the creativity. So, moving on. Uh, yes, my name is Mark, as Andrew said, and thank you for that welcome, Andrew. Uh, I have the pleasure of serving as a senior pastor at the St. Albans uh, Vineyard. I'm married to Stephanie, my wife, for 15 years. We have three Lovely children, uh, Lucy, Ellie, and Daniel. Um, but I haven't always been a pastor. In fact, I started this gig uh, last, uh, last January, so a year in. Thank God I haven't broken his church yet, uh, but there's plenty of time. Um, but prior to that, you know, I've, I've been on two tracks, really. One is uh, in Christian leadership. I've been a worship leader and, and many other uh, capacities. But really, it's uh, the business, the kind of business world that I'm, I'm here and speaking in that capacity. And of course, they're not really separate, are they? We know there is no secular and sacred. But a bit about my background. I mean, um, <clears throat> business came to me very early on. In fact, I was at primary school. And just to give you a window into how I'm wired, uh, I thought there was a way to make money out of my fellow pupils. And so, and so I put together a competition which was to design the best model dinosaur you could. And I decided that I would offer the best prize that I could to, uh, to reward that. And so I advertised this most amazing pop-up book. And uh, the entry was 50p. And uh, I only had one entry. 
And the problem is the guy thought he, well, the boy, thought that he had won and he was demanding his prize. Well, very quickly, I learned the importance and profit and loss. And uh, I ran away and uh, I probably still owe him that prize. Um, but I was always looking for opportunities. I went to uh, secondary school. And at the time, my dad had a business and they provided car parts to um, dealerships around London. And they used to do number plates. And one day, my dad brought me home a number plate with my name on it. That was really cool. And I thought, well, if I love this, I bet my friends at school would love this too. So in the playground, I set up a bit of a stall with my number plate. And I started selling number plates for five pounds a pop. And it wasn't, so there's me in the corner, you know, taking some cash and handing number plates out. I looked very weird. But I negotiated zero cost. And so I learned the power of negotiation and the margins are very important. And I made a killing until everyone had a number plate. And I should have obviously extended the product line, but I didn't. And so I moved on to the next business. And so I've continually looking for new things. And I got to university and I studied marketing and economics. And there was an optional module one could take. This is in the mid to late 90s called HTML authoring, which is essentially web design, really. And I don't think you can call it design. Who remembers websites in the 90s? <laughs> right? Blue screens, pulsating arrows. I mean, that's all you had to do. It wasn't difficult. But I remember my first ever website that I created and thought, wow. And the good news was every man and his dog wanted a website. They didn't know what they wanted a website for, but they wanted a website. So I was happy to charge them 500 quid for a website. They didn't take me too long. And so I set up my own web design business in my dorm room at university. And uh, that got me through uni. And then I graduated. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? All my friends have got jobs. And when they go on holiday, they still get a paycheck. That doesn't work for me. So I thought, I think I'll leave this, my own business, and come back to it. And then I joined um, <clears throat> a hosting and domain name company. This was just before the internet bubble of 2000 as their group webmaster. What a title. You don't get any of those anymore. And so I oversaw web design uh, and all that kind of stuff. And within that, we saw an opportunity because around that time, everyone was buying domain names because they wanted to protect their intellectual property online. So, you know, Bob in marketing would register one of their names and, and Mavis in accounts would register another name and uh, Fred in legal would register a name. And everyone's registering domain names, a bit of a, a land grab. And all of a sudden, all the renewals started coming after the two years. But unfortunately, Bob was no longer in marketing and Fred was no longer in accounting. And all these domain names started dropping off. And all the companies started saying, "How we don't even know what we've got. And so we saw an opportunity to create the world's first corporate domain name management system that not only gave people a place to aggregate all of their domain names, but we automatically searched the internet for what they had registered and pulled them in. And so I worked many, many hours with the development team, early mornings, get there for seven, get home for midnight, just kept going on, because we saw this opportunity. And then I was taken to San Francisco, and we had the International Trademark Association Conference, and we launched it there. I got back to London and they duly gave me uh, a nice shiny new title of innovations manager. How cool is that? And uh, I did some more innovation. And then I joined Yahoo, uh, overseeing all of the development, the, the deployment of their communications products in Europe. And then I moved to Australia. And I'm going to pick up that story in a moment because what I want to do is, is look at entrepreneurship through the lens of a framework that's going to help you tap into, into that. And this is about my own personal journey and kind of weaving in my story. But it's also about looking at some great entrepreneurs in the Bible, and we can see this framework unfold, but also doing lots of reading. So I want to kind of give you that, help you unlock entrepreneurship um, in the kingdom.
But before I do that, I would say that the biggest problem I find, the biggest problem I find is that people don't have a right view of entrepreneurship. In fact, we have what, we, what I call this a, a paradigm block. We think we understand what it means to be an entrepreneur, but we don't truly get it. And so even before I can say this is how you unlock, for most of you, I reckon that you've already locked it yourself because you're thinking about entrepreneurship in the wrong way. And what happens, you see, our false paradigm around entrepreneurship causes a mental block. And we say, well, that's just not for me. I've spoken to so many people, many entrepreneurs. I've had uh, coffees with billionaires who are entrepreneurs, coffees with millionaires, coffees with potential millionaires, coffees with people that want to start. And this is the common factor that will lock the door in entrepreneurship, is your view of what it looks to be. And so what I want us to do before we dive into these three steps is, is propose that there's a new way of thinking about what this looks like. But actually, there's nothing new under the sun. That actually we find that God's perspective, perspective and entrepreneurship, actually provides the answer and gives us a healthy view on what entrepreneurship looks like. Now, the first thing we've got to do is demystify the notion or the concept of what an entrepreneur is because it causes a block. So here we go, let's just test this. All think about who an entrepreneur is. Right, okay. I guarantee 30% of you are thinking about Richard Branson, 20% are thinking about Elon Musk, and there's many others, right? Am I right? Yeah, okay. So what happens, you see, when you do that is you go, well, I could never do that. I'm not wired like Richard Branson. I don't think like these guys. And all of a sudden, you stop thinking that you could be an entrepreneur. Because essentially, you're comparing yourselves with a form of entrepreneur. You know, there are many types of entrepreneurs. And the only reason we hear about these guys is that because they're successful in, in, in certain metrics. Revenue, size, scale, global footprint, publicity, etc., etc. And I, having many conversations with people, they'll say to me, but I'm just not like that. And I'm saying, I, I disagree. And you see, in the Bible, there are two key concepts that will help shape our view on what it means to be, an to be an entrepreneur. It's about recognizing we're created in his image, and number two, recognizing that it's with his resources. The two concepts are creativity and stewardship. This is really what underpins being an entrepreneur is. You know, the, the, the word entrepreneur is taken from a root word in French, which means to undertake. It doesn't mean to, cre it doesn't mean to create millions of dollars. That is not what an entrepreneur is. An entrepreneur sees an opportunity and undertakes to make it happen. Now, we know in the Bible, and you know what? I'm thankful to John Wright because he set this up perfectly for me. Thank you, John, if you're listening. I know you're not. Uh, he may listen to this afterwards. Who knows? Um, but he talked about multiplication, right? Now, in the beginning was God. And as one of my favorite phrases is God is the number one entrepreneur. Think about it. He saw an opportunity to create something that, 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 re that represented his glory and he spoke it into being. What do you call that? Entrepreneurship. And then what happened? He said, right, you know what? We're going we're gonna to create mankind in our own image. Genesis 1. In order that they can be stewards of what I've given them, right? You see, we often think that when we're created in God's image, it's easier for us to think that we've been created in his image from a character perspective or the ability to love, the ability to 
show mercy, the ability to have compassion. But we often don't realize that we've been created in his image for an intent, for a purpose as well. And we can see this play out. It's so exciting because what happens? He creates Adam and he comes and says, Adam, come here, come here, come here, come here. Listen, I've created all these animals. The first thing I want you to do is what? Name them. How cool is that? You see, that's about being creative. And so when, you, when I say creative, you say, well, hold on, I'm not a creative. I don't draw. I don't sing. I'm not talking about that. I've seen entrepreneurs that work in accounts that have seen an opportunity to create a new system that increases the efficiencies of business so they can release more profit to invest in other things. That's an entrepreneur. You see, what I'm trying to do here is redefine what it means to be an entrepreneur because I can guarantee there are entrepreneurs here that you don't realize yet. And I'm trying to force you to think in a different way. So we've got to recognize that we've all been created in God's image. We have the ability to be entrepreneurial, to see an opportunity to create, because God said, go multiply. And that brings me on to the second point, you see. Entrepreneurship is about recognizing that that is stewardship. This is the problem with our view on money. We think money is about protectionism. Most of the time, when you talk about stewardship, it's about protecting. We need to steward the planet. We need to protect it, which, of course, is accurate. God has given us this money. I need to steward it. Well, I need to spend it wisely, which is true. But it's, not, it's more than protecting it. It's about growing it. It's about multiplication. You see the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Now, you, if you look at that story, you know, the master, before he went, a, went, went away, gave different money to the different guys. And it was the guy that protected it, didn't do anything with it, that was rebuked. And yet, as Christians, we look at our little money or whatever we've got and say, I've got to protect it. But that's actually what, not what stewardship is. It's about multiplication. It's about, as John said, looking at what's in your hand and saying, Lord, I want to be a steward of this. I want to invest this wisely to see multiplication in whatever area that you might be. And you see, all it means to be an entrepreneur then is about recognizing an opportunity because we've been created in God's image and looking at the, the resources that we have around us and saying, right, this is what I'm going to use and let's see what happens. And I reckon most of you can do that in whatever context, whatever you're in. And so what I want to do in a moment with these three steps is really unpack what that can look like. And it's going to provide a framework for us to be able to do that. Everyone with me so far? Good, wonderful. Let's move on. Here's the other problem that we've got. What is the kingdom? We, this, this is little, I love this picture here. This little boy. Sometimes we think this is what it means to be in the kingdom, right? It's a place. I have had, I, I can tell you how many conversations I've had with business people that say to me, Mark, it's great that I've developed this business, it's great, but I want to do something in the church. I want to do something in the kingdom because that's what's really important. I'm sorry, I disagree. You know, I love the vineyard values of kingdom, our kingdom theology. You know, John was talking about this yesterday. It's about extending his rule and reign wherever we are. It's not a place, is it? We all know this. And so when we talk about entrepreneurship in the kingdom, it's about wherever we are. It's about recognizing that we do Kingdom stuff in his way. How do we create businesses and ideas that are redemptive? What do I mean by that? That we put people before profits. That we extend mercy and grace and compassion to those that are working for us. That we think about ways of doing business that are sustainable and ethical. That our decision-making process isn't how the world would do it, but we bring it to God. We pray about things. Our view of money isn't that that is... What we want to attain, it's a tool, right? Money is a tool. 
And so when we think about entrepreneurship in the kingdom, really what we're talking about is entrepreneurship wherever you are in a kingdom way. And that's what I want us to understand. This is not about, I want to set up a business in church, or I want to do something in church, although that can happen. You know, I've got two wonderful, we've got many entrepreneurs in our church. Uh, recently, two guys, Peter and Peter, Peter Squared as we call them, came up and said, hey, we've got an idea. We've seen an opportunity. You know, we are in connect groups, and we want to try and see if we can be active in the community because there's people around there that you know, need their gardens done or, or you know, we can go to, to a local home and we can provide some furniture, this, that, and the other. And we want to extend God's love and mercy in that, and we want to create this thing. That is entrepreneurial. That is entrepreneurial. And so I'm going to look at these three steps and how we could unlock that. And now it's called the Go Project, and that's something that we're going to look. We did a beta and we're going to roll that out. That is entrepreneur. You have entrepreneurs. If you're a church leader, you have entrepreneurs in your church. You know, we're here to, to um, support our flock. And we often do that, don't we, with spiritual gifts. We do that with character development, all that kind of stuff. But maybe we have an opportunity here to do it with those that are called to set up businesses and new projects and new ideas. And so while these three frameworks, this framework is also helping, is about helping you guys to unlock it in your own lives... For church leaders, it's also a helpful way in terms of how you can steward that gifting in your church, in your context. Okay, so having established that, how do we unlock entrepreneurship? Well, this is what we're going to do. Three steps. We don't have uh, the luxury of time, so I can't go into detail on here. Um, there'll be many seminars for that. I'm going to give you a 30,000-foot view of what this looks like. It's a bit of a taster. But within that, what I want to do is provide some guiding principles in terms of how you can navigate those three steps, okay? And I'm going to weave in my own story. I'm going to weave in the, my favorite entrepreneur in the Bible. Anyone have a guess? Favorite entrepreneur in the Bible? Nehemiah. He is an awesome entrepreneur. So I want to unpack his story and weave it in. I hope this works. Boy, be gracious towards me. Let's see what happens. Okay. Step one, listen. You've got to listen. Most people are not in a posture of listening because they've already discounted themselves from being an entrepreneur. And I hope that we've, albeit briefly, addressed that point. And so what does that look like? It means about being proactive. It means taking a posture of listening and what those opportunities are. Here's the question. Where has God placed you and how do you hear? Where has God placed you? What context are you in? And how do you hear as a person? Well, this is Nehemiah. Look how he heard. He, people come and say, hey, you know, after, the, after the, um, the remnant have gone back to Jerusalem, after the 70 years of captivity, and they come back and say, hey, Nehemiah. Nehemiah's a cupbearer, right? So we've got some terrible news. The city needs rebuilding, the walls. And how does Nehemiah respond? When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What moves you? What is a problem that you see that can be solved? What is a right that needs right? What is an opportunity that no one's ever done before? What are efficiencies that can be made? Now with me, I, I'll come back to my story. I went to Yahoo and we moved to Australia. And uh, <clears throat> very quickly grew in the ranks and uh, we saw... Um, we launched Australia's first IPTV offering before Amazon was there and Netflix. 
and put a business case together, put a team together, and we launched that with Sony and, and Samsung and LG and all those guys. It was a great opportunity. But all of a sudden, I started getting a bit, I don't know, bored, I think. is that I thought that was one of my weaknesses. I find that's one of my strengths because it puts me in a posture of listening. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell watches online. That will be fun. And uh, I had an uncle, great uncle in the States. He used to be in the watch business. And I thought, well, I'll have a chat with him. He can uh, put me in contact with his factories in China. I'll just sell some watches. That'll be fun. So I thought, right, what do I need to do? Well, number one, I need to set up a website. That was easy. You know, you've got all these shopping the boxes, as we call them, big commerce, Shopify, et cetera, et cetera. I thought, tick. Right, what next do I need to do? I need to receive the money. Okay, well, that's easy. PayPal. A doddle, right? Set up a PayPal account, connect my store, done. Third thing, I was thinking through this. What do I need to do? I know. Once I get the orders through, I need to log into my system, whatever that looks like, specify the orders I want to ship, and then select one of the carriers, DHL, FedEx, and then generate the shipping labels. I thought, okay, I'll Google that. Couldn't find one. And it, I could feel listening. Hold on. No one, has, has no one done that before? Is, really? So I started Googling and no one had really done that. You know, the big boys had invested millions in logistics systems, but how do you level the playing field, I thought, for the, for the small boys like me? How do, you, how do you level the playing field so that I can compete with the big boys? And so where I was in my context, I thought about, well, hold on, if I think about it from a technology perspective, I reckon that if the carriers have an API, which is a, an interface into their systems, I could create a front end where the consumers could log into, and they could, we could then pull all their orders, and they could, surely. And so did a bit of a digging around, and I thought, you know what, that is, I think, what I'm going to do. So I went home, and I said to my wife, uh, hey, darling, I've got another idea. Oh, here we go. It's one of those conversations. And I told her the idea. And you know what? It was the first idea I had in a long time. She said, oh, that kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. And so I want to challenge you and ask you the question, where has God placed you and how do you hear? Are you being proactive? You know, um, the best thing you can do, by the way, is read autobiographies of people that you aspire to. Because what you'll find in those pages is how they listen. And oftentimes we don't listen. Now, here's another tip. And as I speak to people in my church, one of the things I always reinforce is, you know, God's got plan and purpose for you. Really? Yeah. So what does that mean? It means, why didn't you ask God? And if you feel this, I just feel like I've got to correct. I just feel, then why don't you start asking God? Lord, would you open my eyes to what you have for me, where I am and in my context? Would you open my eyes, Lord, to opportunities? Because I guarantee you they'll start coming. And I speak to many people. And they say, hey, Mark, knowing my background, I've got a great idea. I'm like, great, tell me about it. Here's the other problem, by the way. A lot of people listen. They have an idea, and then they do this. Oh, I can't tell anybody. Maybe some of you have done that. Because either they'll steal it. I've heard that. No, they won't. They haven't got your passion. Maybe they'll think I'm stupid. No, they won't. They think that's amazing. And by the way, as senior pastors, as leaders, we need to be encouraging our people, our flock, to listen. And what has God got for you? What has God got for you? What opportunities are there? And so the first step is listening. But then we move on to the second step, which is where it gets a bit scary and crazy, which is leap. By the way, these are three L's. This is my three-point sermon. Three L's. Listen and leap. Listen and leap. So um, I had this idea. I thought, what am I going to do with it? And by the way, the difference between a dreamer and an entrepreneur 
is a dreamer never moves from step one. I have met so many dreamers, bless them, who think they're entrepreneurs, and you're re they're really not. They dream, and that's fantastic, but an entrepreneur undertakes with the resources that they have. They look for multiplication. And I think some of you are dreamers, but God is going to unlock the entrepreneurship in you. Because you need to move from step one. And I know it's scary. And I know it's crazy. And it means that you're going to have risk everything, some of you. And it means that you're going to have to walk by faith. You mean I have to really do that? Yeah. But that's uncomfortable. Yeah. But who said this walk was a comfortable walk, hey? You know, we're called to walk with eyes of faith. And so I came back to Steph, my wife, and I said, yeah, so listen, um, what do you think we should do? I said, well, listen, we got church this morning, so we went to church, and the pastor was speaking about listening. I thought, this is good. He said, listen, this is what it's like to listen. He said, sometimes we're driving so fast in our car, and all of a sudden we have to slam our brakes on, and all of a sudden all the stuff that's under the seat and the chair you got, comes full view. You've seen that? Oh, look, there's an A to Z I didn't know since the 1990s, you know, whatever it might be. Oh, there's a chewing gum I wanted. And so I got home. I thought, we need to do that. So I went out on our balcony and I just said, Lord, I just, what am I going to do with this idea? And he said, I want you to leave Yahoo and put everything into this. What? My wife's going to think I'm crazy. I've got a 10-month-old. Lucy was our first one. She's 10 now. So I went back into the house said, darling, um, I've been praying. And I feel the Lord saying, leave Yahoo. Now, I just want to, under I want you to understand this. So... I had a very good job at Yahoo. I had 70 people in my team, reported to the CEO. I was about to, they were talking about a VP role in the region. I had a very large six-figure salary. I had no car parking space on the harbor. I had a PA that got me coffees and stuff. I had a good life. It was good. And we had just sold our house, and we were about to buy a new one. So we had $130,000 in the bank. And God said, leave your job and put all your money into this. Are you crazy? I said that with respect, of course. <laughs> but what do you do when God speaks? This was the moment. This is the moment that we had to make that step. I thought, okay, fine. Now, I was like, this was maybe October time, and I had a big bonus coming to me in February. So I said, well, I tell you what, Lord, and this is where we start negotiating. Anyone does negotiations? I do negotiations. It goes a bit like this. Okay, Lord, what I think would be a better approach, if you don't mind me saying, is I'll wait until February... I'll do it in parallel, and if this thing works, then great, I'll leave. But if it doesn't, I'll just, I won't bother. I'll get my bonus, and we'll see. And God said, I want you to leave now. I said, okay. So I went, I had a chat with my boss. I said, listen, I need to leave. I've had this idea, and I need to leave. He said, Mark, don't leave yet. He said, listen, you've got a big bonus coming in February. I want you to stay for that. But this is what I think you should do. You've got my blessing to do that, and I know you're going to leave, but I want you and you go do that when you want to. You've got my blessing, and it's absolutely fine. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, what do you think I should do? He goes, that's right. That's what I want you to do. I was seeing whether you were willing to lay it all down. You know what happened with the story of Nehemiah? If it pleases the king, this is a cup servant, a cup bearer. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Now, a cup bearer should not be speaking to the king, okay? Death was imminent. And yet what happened? And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And actually, if you read the story, the king goes, and by the way, hey, take all of these resources with you. Wow, cool. And that was my moment. I found favor and, and I had these resources. And so what I did was I, I googled 
I mean, I, I knew nothing about fulfillment and shipping. I have no idea. I was like a cupbearer becoming a wall builder. Who knows? Many of you, God's going to bring you out of your context into something brand new. And you think, well, I, I'm not that. Well, yeah, you might have to become so. But Google is a good resource, by the way. So Googled it and Googled it. And I found a development company in Serbia. And I thought, well, this is where I work. I'll do my normal job during the day, get home, have some dinner, and then I'll work through the night with the European guys and we'll start building it. So went ahead with, it, with that, and we started to do that. And, um, and we, I put 130000 all the money into it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily advise this, but I had about six months of money to live on after that, and that was game over. But I had that peace that God was calling me to take a risk. I mean, that's how we spell faith, isn't it? And so this is what we launched in February. That was the first one. Need to send a package. And then we evolved it. We take care of your shipping so you can take care of your business. Um, then it evolved more, online shipping made easy. The shipping solution that doesn't stop shipping. And I launched it. And within about two weeks, I started getting these calls from these investors saying, oh, we love what you're doing. And by the way, I had zero customers at this point. We want to invest money, really? I had a conversation. We, we think we can raise $3 million. Oh, okay, that's a good amount of money. And so before I knew it, I had $3 million, we had $3 million. That's, they, see, that's, what, that's called multiplication. When you say, well, here's $130,000, let's see what happens. And you go in faith. And then we launched it, and then we hired a team, and et cetera, et cetera. And so I want to encourage you to take a leap. It's going to be scary, but we need to walk with eyes of faith. Now, here's another story. This is scrubbed. So uh, 2015, I had an idea, another idea. I love good manly bars of soap that are all natural. But could I find any? No. You see, you either have these natural bars that are gender neutral, which have things like lavender and whatever. doesn't work for me. Or you have these really nice manly bars of soap that are full of synthetics. I was like, surely there must be uh, something that I can buy. There wasn't anything really out there. So I thought, okay, hmm, maybe I should do something about this. So I Googled soap makers. And I reached out and said, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we try and create some manly bars of soap that are all natural? And I reached out to those. They said, yeah, okay, we'll give it a go. We'll give, but I haven't got much money, so well, it's fine. We'll do a test. And you see these labels? I put this together myself on my computer. I thought, well, I've got a printer. Anyone got a printer here? I thought, well, I'll get some cardboard paper, and I'll design something, print them out, and make my own labels. And uh, that's what I did. I got a box. And we got our first batch, batch number one. And I went around, and some of these guys were there at the time. I was like, hey, do you want to try my soap? And everyone was loving the soap. I thought, oh, there might be something in this. And so I started scrubbed. And then what happened? Well, this is what it is today. This is scrubbed. We have uh, over 12 SKUs. We have an anti-aging range, an energizing range. Uh, this is our charcoal and black pepper soap, which is amazing. Uh, this is not an advertisement, by the way. I know it might sound like it, but lemongrass and lime, cedarwood and grapefruit, very nice in autumn, oak moss and spearmint. And, uh, and all that happened, you see, I put a little bit of money in and then it just grew and I just got more bold and I made those leaps. So I want to say this, we have a choice. A lot of entrepreneurs think it's going to happen by osmosis. It really isn't. If you want to move from being a dreamer to an entrepreneur, you've got to take a leap. And it means you're going to have to see beyond yourself your capabilities and resources. You're going to say, well, $130,000 isn't going to do much. It might not do initially, but what's God going to do with that money? 
And you're going to say, well, I know nothing. I, I knew nothing about skincare and soap, by the way. But that's why we've got Google. We can all learn. Do you know one of the best definitions of an entrepreneur I've ever read is this? An insatiable desire to learn and a propensity towards action. An insatiable desire to learn and a propensity towards action. That's essentially listen and leap. You see, we need to learn. We need to immerse ourselves. We need to be in a posture of listening. We need to learn and read and understand. You'll hear things. And then a propensity towards action. You've got to take a leap. Work it. How does it look like? You know, I'm not saying be stupid. The, thing, the reason I love this image is the boy has some armbands on. He's thought about this. It's not like he just jumped from a cliff. He said, right, okay, well, there's a, there's a board. It feels like it's steady enough, and I've got my goggles on. And so it's not about being stupid. It's not blind faith. You've still got to work at it. You know, get resources behind you. I mean, Lean Startup is a great book. By the way, for another resource, Blue, uh, Blue, uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, probably said that wrong, but you can Google that. It's a great book for looking at ideas. And so you've got to work it. You know, does the business model, does the economic model of the business work? Can it fund itself? Is the market size big enough? You know, is it sustainable? Is the supply chain as such that it means that as I grow, it's going to be fine? Is it scalable or do the costs blow out? You know, you can, you can look at so many resources. The business canvas model is a great resource, if you want to Google that as well. That gives you an opportunity just to pinpoint your ideas in such a way that you can think through the economics of your, of, of your, of your business. Proverbs 19.2 says that knowledge without zeal is no good. I've seen too many failures in entrepreneurs because they have all the zeal, which is what you need, but there's no knowledge there. You've got to work at it. Bring others in. You know, I've got to say that when I first did my first business, I wish I had done it with someone else. It was very painful and hard because I did it on my own. Who else can you do it with? I mean, in a, in a ministry context, we say, you know, that's a great ministry idea. When you go find someone else that's got the same vision, go do it together. It's the same in business, and you can look at Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 for that. Also, let go of your own agenda and control. For who, who else is a control freak like me? Don't have to put your hand up. Oh, bless you, you did. Uh, you know, but that's what we've, we've all got that in, in us, so don't have any shame. We've all got that in us. But actually, it requires me to take a leap to trust God. And you know what? We are the project, as Steve Nicholson says. I mean, the reality is, is that through this process, God is working in you. What? To conform us to the lightness of his son. That's what it's about. So you've got to let go. And then sometimes you've got to go all in. You've got to go all in. Okay, so listen, leap, and then the third L, lean. Because I tell you, it's going to get tough. <laughs> Anything worthwhile takes effort, doesn't it? The testing will come. Nehemiah 4, 17. Let's continue on the story with our entrepreneur, Nehemiah. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. Why? Because they had opposition. The amount of people that came to me and said, Mark, you don't know what you're doing. You know nothing about fulfillment, which was true. This is going to be, how ridiculous are you putting all that money in? What do you know about soap? What do you, you're going to get the naysayers. It might even be your family, you know, it'll be friends, it'll be so-called experts. The testing will come, it will get hot. But let me tell you, the biggest, the most important thing in this stage is abiding in the vine. And John spoke about this yesterday. There's two reasons why abiding in the vine is so important. 
It's because you can't manufacture fruit. You can't manufacture fruit. And so what you, you know, we've got to think about this as if I abide in Jesus, if he's called me to do this, yeah, I've listened to that call. And if I've taken a leap of faith because this is what God's got for me, then I'm going to have to lean into him when it gets tough. Because if you don't, you'll, you'll, you'll be short. And I did. It got really tough with Shipping Easy. Things were going well. We raised even more money. We moved the business to the U.S., to Austin, Texas, where it's still based now. And I decided to move to the U.K., so Steph and I, our kids at that point, came over in 2013. And um, all of a sudden, as we were growing, we saw signs of creak. In other words, things where we had bugs in the system. And um, as we looked under the bonnet, we discovered that it just really wasn't scalable. That we had grown so quickly and uh, things were going great. We were operating in, in the US and that's where most of our growth was coming. And it came to a point where we had to essentially rewrite the code. And that was probably one of the most difficult times. And uh, if you Google it, Forbes did a rather pleasant article on it. Thank you, Forbes. Um, and it was a difficult time because the questions will come. The difficulties will come, and I know this has been recorded, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. And it was, it was difficult. And, um, and so in that moment, your identity is going to be wrapped up in what you do. And that's the other reason why abiding in the vine is so important and recognizing that you're a child of God, because you will have successes, but you'll probably have more failures. I'm not speaking anything bad over you. I'm just saying, realistically, you know, you're going you're gonna to have bumps along the way. That's what life is like in any context, isn't it? But if you let your failures inform who you are, you won't get to the end. And for me, because I'm the project, we're all the project, it was in this lean stage that I realized that I wasn't rooted. You know, it says in Psalm 1 that if a tree is, tree is rooted properly, that it will bear fruit in any season. That's what we're called to be as, as Christians, aren't we? And so when the, when we, when the testing comes, the, the temptation is to run away. And I, I, if, if I'm honest, there was times I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is just not worth it. I'll cut my losses. At that point, I had no money. Uh, I'd made a decision to walk away from the business as an employee. I stayed on as a shareholder and board member. And I was like, this is just too hard. But God said, no, you just got to lean into me. It's almost like God forced me to stay <laughs> so that he could continue to do the work in me. But also success will come. And if success feeds your identity, it's a slippery slope. It's dangerous. Because God can't trust you with more. You know, it says in the parable of the talents that if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in the large things. And so as we have a kingdom mindset in entrepreneurialism, which is that, you know, we see a growth and then we get a return and we're supposed to reinvest it. God's not going to allow you to do that unless you're in a place. And we never get to that perfect place. But we need to, to lean in. Also, let me just say birth pains can be confused with death pangs. Many times I thought that um, the business was going to fall over. In fact, Scrubbed. You know, we're in a position now where Scrubbed is in six markets. We launched with Harvey Nichols in the UK, and we became their number one male grooming brand, beating Clarins and Clinique and all those guys. Um, but we're in a position now where we need more capital to grow. We've got a huge uh, distribution opportunity in the US. We're already in the US. But we need, we need money. Well, this isn't, I'm not asking for money. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> But we need some more capital. And I'm like, well, Lord, this thing might fall over. This could. I'm go because I've put, you know, I put 130,000 into shipping easy. And I put significantly more into scrubbed. I'm like, 
this is not going to look good if this falls over. But God is just saying, you've got to lean into me. I called you to this. And by the way, you're going to question whether you heard right. Did I really hear God? Because it's almost like God's gone silent. Hello? Even though I walk, walk through the shadow, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, you know, there comes these dark moments in our lives, and it does as an entrepreneur. I've spoken to many entrepreneurs, and they go through this phase. And it's like they're alone. But the shepherd is always there. And you know what? It's true. It's, a, it's true that the greenest grass grows in the valleys. Did you know that? This is the phase that you grow the most. This is the phase that God works in you and through you in a really, really deep way. And one day, um, I was waiting for Shipping Easy to be sold, and we had exhausted all of our funds. Um, and we were like, you know, this is personally, I mean, I don't think this thing's ever going to be sold. And um, I, went, I went and played squash one day, and driving down, there's this uh, field on the left. And, and as through the year, I could see the different seasons. And I felt God say to me, Mark, what you've got to remember is I'm the God of the harvest. You sow and you'll reap when I say at the right time. Because I was like, what's the number going to be, God? What's it going to look like? And that's one of the temptations. And anyway, eventually we sold. And actually, let's uh, look, at, look at Nehemiah. So the wall was completed on the 25th. 52 days. This cupbearer, that's impressive going. What an entrepreneur. He listened. He took a leap, he leaned in, and there was multiplication. That's that framework. So what happened with Shipping Easy? We sold it for $55 million. So I started it in 2011, and then five, six years later, we sold it for 55. So God took $130,000 and made it 55 million. Just want to clarify a few things. We had a few uh, capital raisings, so there was many shareholders. So I want to clarify, I don't have all this money in my bank. All right? just want you all to be aware of that. I was a minority shareholder at this point. And I can go into more detail about how you structure deals and all that kind of stuff. And I won't bore you with it now, but it is interesting. But, you know, there was a return. And I'm thankful to God for that. He, he took the small that I had and he made it this. And it created a few millionaires. We had... We have tons of people working in the office that support families. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses that have a livelihood because they use shipping easy. We, haven't, we have, I say have, we had, we still do. I'm not part of the business anymore. But, you know, entrepreneurs that have started what we would call kingdom-minded businesses. You know, there was a great brand that sold bags that funded schools in, in Africa. They were able to do that because they use shipping easy. There are many of those. So this business was able to do way beyond whatever I thought. I was just trying to sell watches, for goodness sake. And yet this is what God did. So I took some of that money and I put it into Scrubbed. And we launched. And we were the most talked about new male grooming brand in 2017. Hey, even Roger Moore uses Scrub products. Look at that. GQ, Sunday Times, L, Tatler, The Sun, Esquire. But Mark, you know nothing about soap. It's true, I did not. But I listened, I leaped, and I leaned. Because it's a God thing. <laughs> you know? Why? Because we are created in his image, and we are called to be stewards. It's about multiplication. It's not about protectionism. And I never, at the start of this journey, went to someone and said, I've got a great idea, give me $50 million, and then I'll, and I'll use it. I said, what have I got in my hand? And that's it. 
And then what happened? Look at this. We had all these advertisements in billboards in, in Waterloo Station and all this kind of stuff. I mean, look at that. Shower gel as medics match. I didn't say that. GQ did. Get scrubbed with our favorite new range. This is me at the GQ Grooming Awards. Our face serum got the number of the GQ Grooming Award. We beat Clarence for men. I was there at this event on the table with Simon Duffy, MBE, the founder of Bulldog. I'm like, what am I doing here? All I did was listen, leap, and lean. And yet God took what I had and multiplied it. That was cool. So I've talked for long enough. And this is the point I would have brought in Oliver, but as I said, he's been unable to make it. But I, you know what? I just want to challenge you with these three things. And I've got to, we're going to, we're going to move into Q&A in a moment, actually. And then, you know what I want to do? I think we should have some ministry time. Because I really get the sense that there's going to be some new businesses birthed in here. There's going to be people that you're, you've discounted and disqualified yourself from entrepreneurialism. God's going to... I think there's some people in here who are about to leap in something as well. And there's some people here that need to lean into him. And so I'm going to recruit my wonderful team as part of the ministry team. We're going to do some praying soon, if you're up for that. But before we do that, any questions? Yes. What's your name? Arwen. Nice to meet you, Arwen. Um, you say you have all these ideas. Yeah. And, and you go to your wife. Yeah. That's it. Who do you go to for securing the knowledge? Yeah. Yes. Oh, and that's a great question. The question was, you know, who do you have around you, good counsel and wisdom that can help be a soundboard for these ideas? And that's really a great question. So, you know, I had put around myself godly men and people, godly men and women that I trusted, that I could say, I feel God saying this. What do you get a sense? You know, what's the wisdom in this? And it is, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't say in the Bible so many times that we need to be seeking godly counsel. So, you know, that's speaking to your pastor. It's about friends that you have. Are you accountable to people to say, no, don't do that? Uh, am I accountable in my role as a senior pastor, or you mean? No, as, as business and business, being accountable Yeah, I mean, I think accountability comes out of relationship. It wasn't a hard, hard and fast rule. Um, I think it's based out of trust and, uh, you know, they said, yeah, we feel the Lord's in this. Now, I wasn't held accountable to do it, but it was the wisdom and the counsel they provided me. I still needed to bring that to the Lord. But equally, I would say, you know, in our church context, we have some great business groups, clubs that have been set up, which is a forum by which business-minded people can talk about these kind of ideas. Let me just give you a story on this. Um, one of our members called Bruce McKinnon, he went through these three steps. Um, he was at a conference, and he's in branding and strategy. And he was at a conference, and they had some ministry time, and he felt the Lord say, feed my sheep. He's like, what does that mean, Lord? And then all of a sudden, he realized that God was calling him to write a book on branding. He said, you need to give this stuff away. Because well, I've, never, I've never written a book before. So what did he do? Did he stay a dreamer or did he become an entrepreneur? He took a leap. He said, right, you know what? Even though I'm running this consultancy and I'm not sure about the income, I'm going to go and write this book. And he spent 10, 12 months and he leaped and, and, he, and he, he wrote this book with the support of the business club, et cetera, et cetera. And then he launched it. And it became the number one bestseller in Amazon. It's now Waterstones has had a huge order. It's up for um, uh, shortlisted for a book prize as well. And now he's leaning into that and God is opening more doors. Now he was able to do that in a healthy way because he was part of an environment where it fostered that conversation and that support as well. Yes, over there. 
Hello. What's your name? Tabitha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bless you, Tabitha. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. I share the same problem. Um, because the more you get used to listening, funny enough, the more you hear things. But we know there is a, don't we know that there is, a, there is a, a difference between a calling and the right time? And I think with that, there comes some wisdom around, okay, Lord, when do I do this? Asking that question. Is it for now, Lord? Have you just put it there for me to think through? Is there a process that I've got to share it with others? Actually, I found that sometimes two ideas seem to come together. It's like, ask the question, are these separate or actually could I do something together with these? And so one of the things we're exploring, I had an idea of, which was um, I was struck by the fact that here I am creating a brand that offers people lemongrass and lime soap and charcoal and blah, 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 blah. And yet there are millions of people that don't have access to clean water. How? How? Why? And so we, we came up with a concept called Wash for Life, which is essentially what if every time you, bar of so you buy a bar of soap, that provides clean water and sanitation to someone that doesn't have it. And so we're looking to explore what that looks like. And so we can bring those two ideas together. So I guess it's not a hard and fast rule, Tabitha, I apologize, other than asking the question, you know, when can they be put together? And also, um, could someone else do this? Is this an opportunity for me to steward this in a different way? Can I give this away? Is there someone that God's put me in my life that I can mentor and help them develop in this idea? So they're the kind of three things I'd, I'd give you on that one. Yes, sir, over there. Yeah. Shipping easy, yeah. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, that is such a good question. What was your name, sorry? Mark. Good question. So Mark asked the question, you know, in my story, uh, you know, I'd work at Yahoo during the day and then at night I'd be on, how do you make this sustainable? You know, we need to be out of a healthy place. I'll be honest with you, it wasn't that healthy. Uh, one of my learnings is you've got to do this in a healthy way. And I very quickly got very tired. I can't answer how I would have done it you know, but I think what it does, it informs that now in me, which is like, how do I do this in a way in which brings health and rest? And I don't think I'll ever have the answer properly because one of the ways I think entrepreneurs are wired is that we, my team will tell you that I have a tendency to want to run quickly. And I've been, you know, and, and I think God has often brought people in my lives that can help me get that balance and just challenge me on that. But it's, it's, it's about listening. I mean, that that step one, listen, uh, when you get to step two, leap, it doesn't mean you turn your ears off, you know. We have to always be in communion with the Lord and saying, you know, what does this look like? And, and I think practical things like let's practice the Sabbath. I mean, God gives us a model for healthy balance. And I think one of the dangers is, is that our Sunday becomes like a Monday and, and all that kind of stuff. So, but equally, I would also say if you're a family person, it's, you know, what works for you in your family, you know. 
you need to be doing this in unity with, with your partner and your family. Uh, it can't be, well, I'm going to do this and I don't care what you say. By, by the way, another great point, uh, piece of advice for the listening stage is when you discern, if you are with, you know, if you've got a wife or husband, is can you get to a place of peace and unity on it? And certainly for me in this story, Steph and I, my wife, we had a place of peace combined on it. Even though we knew it was scary, there was a peace about it. And we, we talked about what that would look like. Hopefully that answers your question, Mark. At the back. Yeah. That's a really good question. Is it worth... What was your name, sorry? James asked, is it worth putting a business plan or flying, flying by the seat of your pants? So, when I started ChipEasy, before I went on this crazy journey, I did put a semblance of a business plan together, which I thought was sufficient. So the intent was there. But I very quickly found out that it was uh, not very good. Um, and it was God's grace that the investment came in at the time it did, because otherwise we would have been out on the streets. And so I, there was another business I was involved as, uh, with as well um, called Malglow, which is an email marketing platform for small businesses. And I co-founded that a few years ago. And um, it was an idea of my friend that said, you know, small businesses need a really easy way in which they can send e-cards, which we know we don't use that term anymore. And so we came up with this great brand and we launched it and uh, all of a sudden the market moved really quickly and all of a sudden our, our pricing model changed. Uh, it had to change because we were charging. And all of a sudden the business fell over because we hadn't really thought through the market, in, the market dynamics. We hadn't thought through around where the market was going. Fundamentally, the, 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 the business model just didn't work. And so absolutely, you've got to think it through. But you'll never get it perfect, though. You can never plan it to the nth degree because something will always come up. But as much work as you can do up front and bring people in to help you with that. You know, who has God placed you in your world that can provide advice? Um, so, yeah, that would be my answer to that one. The business model canvas, by the way, is a great tool if you want to look at something to help you flesh out your idea. Yeah. That's a good question. What was your name, sorry? Lorraine. So Lorraine asked a question, how do you get the balance between not talking yourself out of something when you've done the work and it looks scary versus, you know, just having that fear? And... Uh, I would look at it through the lens of risk mitigation. So in other words, knowing that something will go wrong in any business endeavor, how do I mitigate as much risk as I can? So identify the top 10 things that can fall over. You know, the market size changes, the competitor landscape changes, the barriers to entry changes, the costs go up, whatever it might be, list them all out, and then come up with a plan to say, if that were the case, these are the levers that I have to, to change that. And so, even though you'll never go into it with confidence that it's going to be 100% bulletproof, there's a level of confidence that at least you've see, uh, looked through the, the kind of unknowns. Of course, as Colin Powell said, there are unknown unknowns. You know, there's some things we'll never know. But can I just say... With all of that, it goes back to listening to the Lord. You know, I think you need to come to a place of peace. So for Steph and I, even though it was scary and we were like afraid, we just knew it was the voice of God. There was a peace about it, you know. And it says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, you know, don't lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. I think it's coming to a place of that really as you assess whether you move forward. Yes. Hello there. Oh, yeah, good. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah. So, what was your name? Sorry. So, you know, Grant asked that great question for the benefit of this recording. You know, how do you be have a vision for the future? Because that's what an entrepreneur does. I mean, you know, Nehemiah no doubt saw what it could be. You know. Um, but don't no, live in that place. And I think that's something I'm, I, I struggle with all the time. And I think there is a distinction between being wise and planning for the future, but not living in the future. You know, that famous verse, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That's the King James Version for you. In other words, there's enough things going on today that you can give to the Lord and just rest in him. And it is always a bit of a struggle, but that's the work that he does in us and through us. He uses that to develop us in terms of our trust and our faith. And so the language I try and use is, am I living in the future right now, or am I planning for the future? As, as, as long as I start living in the future, I'm in trouble. But as long as I can plan from it and almost disconnect myself from playing out what I'm going to live like, then it's okay. But it is a constant work in us. And you grow in that. You know, The more you're able to give stuff to the Lord and say, Lord, you've just got to take these anxieties from me. You know, Philippians 4, 6, you know. Give it anxieties to him with thanksgiving and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. As entrepreneurs, we need to be doing that very frequently because what happens when you're a visionary is anxiety comes really quite easily. So hopefully that helps answer that. I'm just mindful of the time. We've got five, have we got five more minutes? Is that right? Um, do we want to do more QA or do, Q&A or do we want to do some prayer time? Anybody want to? Prayer time. Okay, cool. Okay, what I'm going to do, if you've got other questions, by the way, I'll hang around afterwards. You can grab me. What I'd like us to do is all stand up, and um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and then we're going to see what happens, which I think is always fun. <laughs> okay, come Holy Spirit. Would you come now? Let's just, let's just rest in his presence for a moment. Come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray in this time you'd open our eyes up. Just speak to us. Thank you, Lord.